This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3298, for Wednesday the 24th of March 2021. Today's show is entitled, Poisoning the Well. It is hosted by some guy on the internet and is about 25 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is shut down, the negativity in our community. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Hacker Public Radio. I am your host, some guy on the internet, and I am happy to be back. Today, we're just going to wing it. I got a couple of things I've been thinking about, but I haven't been able to record in a while. And I keep thinking to myself, if I only keep thinking about this rather than hit the record button, it is never going to become an episode. So my best bet is to get out here and try and wing it, and hopefully it is successful. So first up, let's talk about poisoning the well. What I mean by that is the well for us, us open source enthusiasts, us uh, computer files, geeks, nerds, whatever you want to call it. It's basically the technology, rather it be software based or hardware based. Whenever we have new software, new features, um, I'm going to stick with software because I'm, I'm not a really big hardware guy, but, you know, hardware is included. It's just that I deal mostly with software. Uh, whenever we have new software coming out, there's always going to be that voice somewhere out there that attempts to poison the well. Now, let me set the, the uh, stage for you guys here. All right. I want you to imagine a bunch of users in a digital plane somewhere and the well is the software vendor who is, you know, releasing regular updates. All the users are around the well waiting for the next update. Everyone's generally happy. They're communicating with those around them. They're, you know, friends, whatever, online. And everybody's relatively happy. You know, they don't have to pay for it. They receive regular security updates and new features. Everything kind of works out. Now, the poisoning of the well would be the individual who does not contribute in any positive manner. They come about with negative statements. And a good example of this would be Unity. I wasn't in open source when Unity came out. However, I read a little bit about Unity. I talked with some people who were in open source during the time that Unity came out. And for those of you who don't know what Unity is, it's the uh, the desktop environment that Canonical created when uh, Gnome switched from Gnome 2 to Gnome 3. So, you know, there was a big uproar when the changes from Gnome 2 to Gnome 3. So Canonical filled the gap by creating their own DE, which was a well-polished DE. DE short for desktop environment. From my understanding, most of the users that used Unity were happy. However, they were fairly silent. They were just enjoying the software. Now, keep in mind, 
You didn't have to pay for it. You got security updates, new features, loads and loads of good stuff there. That's the well. Canonical's providing the well through the Ubuntu desktop known as Unity. The users who are poisoning the well, however, are the users that are, excuse me. The users that are poisoning the well are those that arrive and contribute negatively by constantly bashing it, constantly giving all sorts of negative commentary. Oh, look, here's a thing. Here's Amazon. Here's an app that is not harming anyone at any point, but we don't like it. And we're going to trash the entire thing because of this app. Why? It could be beneficial to many. It is a way to make money because the desktop was losing money. Uh, most people don't know, but the Ubuntu desktop version, not Ubuntu server, but Ubuntu desktop did not make any money from, I think up until like 2018. So, <laughs> you know, it, they're losing money. They're being propped up by a server basically. And, uh, you know, here you have this thing for free that they're creating to help you because GNOME changed and they wanted to have some control and, you know, going forward. And what happens? Well, people ruined it. They poisoned the well. They got up and they just start spouting all this negativity. And of course, developers are out there on these different platforms reading all of this negativity. And what happens? Well, to avoid the, uh, the platform, but to, to avoid the well, being completely contaminated, they eventually got rid of Unity, which was a great resource for the community. And they brought back Gnome 3, the thing that people originally railed against. But by that time, when the normally quiet users realized that they're losing this well-polished thing, I mean, of course, you know, people try to speak up then, but at that point, it's too late. The damage has been done. They have already poisoned the well. Now, in, in a way, I do hold the community partially responsible for this because when we do see negativity pop up, like I, I am often on different subs and I get it that we, the community members, don't actually run the sub. There is a sub maintainer, a moderator or whoever, whatever you want to call them. There's a person that actually runs the sub. We, the community, though we do not directly control the sub, we do have a voice. We we should be more vocal, those of us that remain quiet and definitely speak out against this negative influence that is attempting to poison our well. I really don't like the idea of open source developers putting all their time and effort into creating this great software and then some bonehead who 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 likes a different bit of software coming on over and poisoning the well for those who appreciate what they have, even if they cannot, you know, donate at the moment, they're still able to benefit and keep up in the world. Most most people, I think, do understand how important free software is free as in freedom, not free as in free beer. But we're going to also include the free beer in th this portion as well. Let me just give for those of you who do not know, understand this. A guy like me, if free software was around back when I first got into computing, maybe it wasn't. I just didn't know about it. But if it were, if it was around during that time and I, and I had some sort of insight on it, I could have been in a much better position today. I wanted to get into programming back in the day. However, it was crazy expensive. The books were like 80 bucks a pop. Plus when you had to go spend like hundreds of dollars for the software, the, uh, the programming environment, it was just, insane. You could not just 
willy nilly get into programming like you could today. And I think a lot of that's because of free software. I mean, think about it. Companies like Microsoft used to have Visual Studio, uh, the, the in programming environment up for like four or five hundred bucks. And back in the day, like in the nineties, that was way too much money, man. We couldn't, you couldn't afford that. I mean, after all, you already spent like fifteen hundred on a computer, you know, and the computer only had like a four gigabyte hard drive. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was it was rough back then, man. Te- technology wasn't as far as along as it is now. But now that I am aware of open source technology, I try to bring others into it and have them understand. Look, this is infinite opportunity at your fingertips right now. You have knowledge. People are providing so much information for you right now you you don't have to worry about the digital gap links can run on literally anything so you don't need the latest and greatest pc to be able to operate in today's world because of linux now you've got linux you got great software with linux basically everything that somebody can do on a mac or or uh, a windows pc you can do on linux and, and then some you understand you can go above and beyond at any point and you you don't even aside from the hardware you don't even have to make an upfront investment to do that that is extremely powerful now imagine somebody coming in and start talking massive amounts of crap like if microsoft did it if microsoft came up and started just talking all sorts of crap all oh, that linux software man it's terrible all this stuff is so buggy and you know filled filled with vulnerabilities you know sure they don't have viruses but they got tons of vulnerabilities if you use it you're crazy you're all your information's going to up on the dark web blah 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 if microsoft did that we would be up in arms however we're perfectly fine with members of our community straight up urinating in our well we need to stop the poisoning of the well. Whenever somebody tries that, we need to shut them down. We need to ask that the moderators, look, if this person isn't going to be helpful in this community, you know what I mean? I'm not saying get rid of freedom of speech or anything crazy like that. But what I am saying is you're going to ruin it for all the people coming here trying to benefit from this. Not to mention the people who are doing this without a paycheck. Do you understand what I'm saying? The least you could do is have a little gratitude. You had a chance to use this software without even paying for it. It's available to you. The least you could do is be, you know, appreciative. And then on top of that, on top of all of the hell we get in free software, imagine the arguments from new users that want to come to Linux and they say things like, well, you know, um, I have to use this bit of proprietary software, but it's just not available on Linux. I'd love to use Linux. I've, I've tried Linux. However, I can't use it for professional work simply because the software that I must use isn't there. You have great alternatives, but my company requires this and it's not there. The good news with that is most of the time, you know, today, 2021, companies are coming around to open. Well, I won't say open source, but they're coming around to Linux. <laughs> you know, they're not open sourcing all of their stuff, but they are com- They're providing their software to Linux via um, what's it called? Um, they were talking about the one that a bunch flutter uh, flutter. Um, what's the other one? Electron, you know, they're, they're basically creating apps that can run on multiple platforms. Now, a guy like me would be saying, great. That means those users who don't have, uh, uh, the software or who did not at one time had the software they needed to be able to operate full time in a free environment. Now they do have the software. 
And it's easier for companies to begin producing this software and providing it on multiple platforms. You know, iOS, Android, Linux, Windows, Mac, everything. You can all benefit from this software. I understand it is not free as in freedom, this software. However, it is a step in the right direction. They are on the freedom platform. It is software that can help users understand the benefit of being on a freedom-based platform. Now, what we have to do is work with those companies in a positive way, you know, constructive criticism and things that help them to understand, you know, the reason we're so safe and comfortable here on our freedom based platform is because of the freedom and security we have. We know that our software is safe because the code can be examined by any one of the tens of thousands of brilliant minds that work in open source. I mean, a lot of the programmers that work on proprietary software also work on open source software. You get what I mean? So we have tons of talent here. Why don't you join us here? You know what I mean? Join us and just, just give it a try. Open source one thing and just watch how wildly popular it becomes. Watch how it takes off and then learn about the different monetizing strategies of, you know, the uh the uh they do have software as a service which i'm not too i'm not a big fan of that and i stay away from that because i believe it is just it's legalized uh ransomware if you ask me uh an example of that is like say microsoft office and i'm not bashing microsoft office i'm only just giving my opinion what i believe here so i believe that when you have a software as a service Someone begins using that software to get their work done. And then when they can't afford it due to hard times, like say COVID or whatever comes along and they they just can't make that next payment right now, all of a sudden they're locked out. You see what I mean? Unless, unless they pay you, they can't even get work done to, to start making more money again. You get what I mean? So you're, you're basically held ransom here and it, it's terrible. I, I really do not like this model. However, I do like companies being able to sell services like say Red Hat. When I get that there's a lot of, uh, argument over the CentOS stream. And again, poison in the well all day long over there. I get it that Red Hat eventually came in and said that they were going to take over CentOS and make it a, a official thing that they were going to be providing a um, feature for feature complete free open version of RHEL through CentOS, which was a community based project first. You know, RHEL kind of took it over or not kind of they did. I get all of that with the history of it. I read up on it. Not not really that I, I participated in it, but I just read up on it. That still, however, does not mean that we need to just shun and and trash rail for this move. Understand they're still trying to provide through CentOS stream a way for people to benefit and for themselves. Think about it. What company, you know, today, have you ever went to a restaurant that gave you the food for free and then you just decide to pay them whenever you can? <laughs> it's insane. But in free software, this this can it 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 it's it does not work fully. I will admit it's crazy. You don't you don't make money by giving away the product. However, this is open source. It's it's a unique beast and rail needs to make money. Now, they found a way for it to benefit both the users who cannot pay or maybe they just don't even want to pay. They, they found a way for them to benefit by having a free product that they don't have to pay for. 
And Rail can benefit because if there are bugs, guess what? These users using the free product will most certainly want to those bugs fixed, won't they? So they'll be reporting like crazy trying to get these these things ironed out. Rail benefits by, you know, basically, hey, we got a uh, a free a free testing base, if you will. I know it's a little more um elegant than how I'm putting it. However, <laughs> I'm I'm not a programmer. I'm not a system admin, anything like that. So I'm just giving it to you as some guy on the internet. But yeah, you know, Rail provides this thing. You get to use it for free. You get to kick back bugs down the rail. They fix them for free. So you get the free patches, the security updates, everything. And the the users who are paying a subscription, well, they don't have to worry about things fluctuating as much. They're going to be on the more um static because <laughs> apparently that word stable gets used a lot. They're going to be on that on the more static version of rail you know, where uh, things are a little bit more predictable and hopefully the the bugs will be ironed out before they hit rail. But the CentOS guys will probably, well, they will. The CentOS stream, excuse me, the uh, CentOS stream guys will encounter uh, the the wrinkles before rail ever will. And you know what? It works. It is a way for free software. You you can still use it for free and benefit. Now, if you're just a guy trying to learn about free software, trying to figure out how this stuff works, and you just want to run your own testing environment, this is perfect. You don't have to pay for anything, and you still get to benefit from it. This is awesome. However, if you're that guy that's already making six figures, you know, you're running your own business, and you're just like, I'm just going to cut costs and use CentOS because, um, you know, I don't have to pay for it. Excuse me, let me clear my throat. All right. I apologize for that. But yeah, you know, if you're the business owner and you're just using free and open source software, free as in freedom, because it, it cuts the cost, you know, it helps the bottom line, which is fine. You know, there's no there's no rules against doing that. I think the thing that we're, what we're trying to say here, though, is, I mean, you're benefiting that much. You're, you're pulling in a, a very, very nice salary here. Uh, the least you could do is buy a license, right? I mean, you can just get I mean, you can get a couple of licenses and keep your operation safe and secure with support. And, you know, it'll it'll all work out for everyone. But there are some people who are benefiting that much, pulling down nice money using open source software and the moment you say okay well you know we're just going to shift it just a little bit we're just going to tweak how this works just a little all of a sudden they're the ones with their guns and knives out they do not want to have to pay for anything screw you forget about what it takes for you to run a company because here's the thing if if i'm just going to hypothetically if Rail were to say they were going out of business because they, they, they're funding all of this uh, free and open source software that isn't making money, say, for instance, Rail, again, we're speaking hypothetically here. If they were to say they're going out of business because people are all going for the free thing and nobody's getting this uh, subscription, guess what? Oh, that's so sad. Oh, that's that's so terrible. We really got to get an alternative. <laughs> we got to get an alternative. This is terrible. Can can we get one or two people to donate? No, we don't need that. We don't need that. Enough with the hypothetical nonsense. That was probably a terrible uh, thing. Remember, if the if the uh, examples are horrible, remember you're hearing them from some guy on the internet. <laughs> 
<laughs> also, uh, you know, one other thing that I noticed with these uh, massive companies in open source, like say Blender, I th- what's another one? GIMP is a good one as well, but uh, Krita is a good one. They're all being funded by super, super big companies, right? Um, even Mozilla, they're, Mozilla, I keep saying it wrong, it's Mozilla, but you know, Mozilla, Mozilla, whatever. They're, they're pulling in all this, like, uh, I think a vast majority of their income to fund the project comes from like massive companies like Facebook, uh, Google, uh, Microsoft, you know, all the companies we claim are bad, uh, they're proprietary and all the things they've done in the past. Microsoft hates Linux. You know, these companies are keeping open source alive because the donations are not coming in. You know, I mean, if, let, let's face it. If, if we could just go ahead and see the numbers for what users of the software are, you know, providing for the, the company to stay afloat versus what the super massive companies, which I get it. Google is obviously going to have far more money than some guy on the internet, right? So, uh, I think that we, we don't fail to understand it. However, it, it does not excuse us from not donating. You understand? We still have an obligation to keep our software free. Now, once these massive companies start gaining more and more influence, I mean, stop and think about it. They're writing checks the size of, you know, skyscrapers. Eventually, companies might see it as, well, look, I get it. I'm going to still provide a free as in uh, free beer software, but Google's paying way too much money and they want that free as in freedom to, you know, take a hike. So if that ever happens, you can't blame them. They got to pay bills. They got to put food on the table. They got families, man. You got to You got to donate. You got to give something. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be much. What I think we should have, though, what I think we should have. And here's an idea I've been tossing around as well. Say, for instance, if we use like the I'm just going to use this group because I know about it, the Free Software Foundation, if they created a section on the site for people who want to sign up and just, you know, it'll be like almost like a Patreon kind of thing where you just obligate a certain amount of money per month. And then here are all the projects that will be able to benefit from that. These are the, the the projects that have signed up and qualified to benefit from this this thing that I'm talking about. Let's just call it the Freedom Project. I don't know what else to call it right now. But, you know, the Freedom Project. Yeah, you got a bunch of just users, not massive companies, right? Massive companies don't need this kind of thing. They can just fund whatever the hell they want. They want new features. They can just give, pick up the phone, dial up, get a developer and say, hey, look, I'm willing to dump massive check in your wallet right now if you create said feature. You know what I mean? So they don't need this. But for us, the users who want the, the company or the developers to understand, look, we want to pay for our software. We want this software to remain free. We want you to understand the community appreciates you, even though there's a lot of poisoning happening that we still have to deal with. We want you to know that, look, there is money in open source. You understand there's money in freedom. So that's what we, I, you know, if we can create a project like that where these projects, you know, they, they sign up, they qualify. I'm guessing there'll have to be like some sort of vote system or something where all the people who are donating the money every single month could just sort of say like, hey, maybe you get a point for every donation. Right. And at the end of a certain period, uh, you just get to vote on a project like these are the projects that uh, 
are up for vote this time. Uh, the project maintainers have put out a list of things like these are the things we'll do if we get the money. You know, if we get the money, we'll be able to provide X, Y, Z as far as features, probably in a whole new point release worth of features. And, um, you know, it'll put us in good position for the next uh, uh Whatever, you know, I'm not a programmer, so it's kind of hard to think about this stuff, but you get what I'm saying. But I really do think that making sure that the developers understand that the community are more than just interested in using software, but we're interested in paying for software to keep software free as in freedom. Otherwise, I'm telling you, massive check from Google or massive check from Microsoft will eventually start to win people over. Think about the amount of people who are probably going through job transitions because the company they were once with, you know, just went under. And now, you know, they went a few weeks or months without a paycheck before they made the transition. They're maintaining this one thing that's very popular on GitHub. Google's been in their inbox a few times telling them, look, that's great. You want to do open source. But let me tell you what you could be doing if you just were to, you know, just fork that project. And, you know, come work for us. You know what I mean? You know, just create a a totally different thing, even, you know, what depending on the license, you may not be able to fork and close it. But, um, you know, just come work for us. We'll show you how to get it done. And I mean, seriously, even even if he did fork and went close with it, I mean, he's the one that created it. Who's going to complain? Is he going to complain on his own project? You know what I mean? So so I mean, but seriously. This is a real this is a real problem. I think we got to look at this and say, let's start something to where the community is seen as not just caring and sending positive vibes toward maintainers and developers, but also putting, you know, food on the table. You know, we, we need to compete against massive check from Google. Maybe we can't do as much, but showing something is enough. You know what I mean? They, they've been, a lot of these guys have been working with nothing all this time. So I think that's about all for me right now. And I've rambled on and given you plenty of diarrhea of the mouth. Thankfully, you cannot smell my breath because I just hopped up and started recording. So <laughs> my pop filter probably needs to be thrown away. But It has been a pleasure speaking with you guys. I'm going to go ahead and start getting ready for work now. Remember, donate to Open Source. You have been listening to some guy on the Internet here on the official Hacker Public Radio. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at HackerPublicRadio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.